Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Glad you're all here. Um, if you're joining us online, thank you for being here as well. Um, we're just going to jump right into it. We've got a lot we want to cover today. Um, if you can, get out your Bibles, go to the New Testament. We're getting in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're continuing in the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we'll be in chapter 3, verse 10. We're in week number 3 of our study of the book of Corinthians. And what we have discovered about this church in Corinth is that... Um, Man, it's a church that has some problems. It's got some issues. I don't know. It's, it's, it's got some messes. That's the church. Apostle Paul planted the church. He's away from the church. He hears about the messes in the church. He writes this letter trying to address, you know, the problems in the church in Corinth. And now, once again, we've said this. Now, this will be the third week we said this. I'll probably keep saying it because it's important to understand on this side of heaven, Every church has varying degrees of messiness, right? You're not, you're not going to find a perfect church on this side of heaven, right? We all have varying messes and problems and, and issues that that different, varying in other churches. God's working on all of us, praise his name, but that's just where we're at on this side of heaven. But having said that, this, book, this, 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 this church in, in, in Corinth, man, um, they got some unique issues. They got some, some, they got some unique issues. And... Um, one of the reasons all these issues are cropping up in this church in Corinth is um, it is a church that is really full of primarily, if not only, um, well, really um, first-generation Christians. They're first-generation Christians. I mean, they got no background in this stuff. I mean, they don't have cousins or aunts or grandmothers or anyone who, who knew Christ or any of this stuff, right? And before God saved them, they're out there, you know, just in, in paganism doing all that stuff. God saves them like he saves you, like he saves me by grace through faith. They get saved, they get into the church and they start bringing in some of their past junk into the church. Their worldview was this way. They bring it into the church. God's changed them. They're made new. They still have some stuff they impose upon the church and you get those unique problems. Um, I was going to share this with you guys. Um, because I was thinking about this, this first generation Christian church, um, I think that perhaps um, I can appreciate that maybe, um, maybe more than the average person. And, and, and I say that because um, yeah, many of you know, you know, nine years we were in Africa, East Africa, and I was blessed to, to pastor a church that was compromised or compromised, composed of, you know, a lot of first generation Christians. And um, <clears throat> Man, I, I, there, there's some mess. There, there were things that went down in that church that they had not prepared me for in seminary, you know? 
Um, and I, I can give you some examples, some of my, my, my favorite examples. This first one I think I've shared with you before, um, or parts of it with you before, but remember one time I had this young guy and um, he was really, he was kind of from the streets. He was kind of a rough guy. He had, he had, a, he had a Muslim background. He don't know nothing about Christianity. I meet him, share the gospel with him. God in his grace saves him. Amazing thing, amazing thing. You know, he comes into the church and um, he becomes a leader in the church, okay? And so he's, I got a Bible study every Saturday morning. I got a Bible study with all these young men. He came to the Bible study, okay? So um, one weekend I'm out with him and we're hanging out with some of our buddies and from the church and um, he wants to share the gospel. That's what he wants to do, okay? He wants to share the gospel. I'm like, great, we've practiced this. We've talked about it, you know, basically. So he goes up to this guy He's going to share the gospel with this guy, but he, he, he does it, man. He does it, but he's real aggressive, right? He gets up in his face. He's like, man, you're a sinner. He says, Christ died for you. I mean, it's just real aggressive. And at the end of sharing the gospel, he asked this other individual if he would like to become a Christian. The other individual is kind of sheepish. He's like, yeah, no, I think I'm going to pass. All right. And this is where it got kind of strange because at that point, my buddy looked at me and smiled and then he got really aggressive. He got in that other guy's face. He goes, not joking, he goes, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, you're a sinner. And he's, I thought the guy was about to throw down. I grab him and I take him away. Because once again, in his past walk, the way he was, that's the way I guess he would communicate. And I told him, I go, listen, man, we don't, we don't do that. You cannot beat a man to Christ. We don't do that, all right? That's one guy. And I got another guy. This is another story. This is crazy. I don't know if I shared this story before. There was another young guy in our church, and um, he's a leader, man. And um, he's in my Bible study. My Bible has a wonderful, he's in my Bible study. I get a phone call. No, it's text messages um, from the other guys in my Bible study. And they said, hey, listen, Travis, we got to go get some food. We got to bring it to Matt. The guy's name was Matt. And I go, I go, why do I got to get food for Matt? They, he, they said this to me. They go, Matt, Matt's in jail. He's in jail, a Tanzanian jail, that's bad news. And he said, they said, because, and he goes, this is the deal. They don't feed you. When you get put in jail, they don't feed you, man. You got to provide them with water and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, this is, I, this is, this, I, I don't even know where to put this in my head. Well, when we get down, we, we get some food, we find this place. No joke, the man's in a cage. He's in a cage, a cement floor, but a cage in the middle of this kind of field. No food, no water. We give it to him. Now, here's the deal. I'm the man's pastor. Now, I'm thinking, I haven't asked a lot of questions, really, but I'm thinking there's been some misunderstanding. I'm thinking. I'm like, no, why, why is this guy in jail? What did he do? And so I ask him. I go, why are you in jail? He goes this. He says, he goes, I stole stuff. I'm like, you stole Wait, wait a minute, time out, man. No, seriously, it's time out. I don't know if you didn't get the memo, but we don't do that. You know, that's sin, man. I understand that perhaps before you met Jesus, before Jesus saved you, maybe you saw something you wanted and you took it, that's called coveting. And then when you take it, that's called stealing. And well, you're in jail. And anyway, so hey, listen, it's a mess, man. And I'm sitting there, no, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Ow, this is, this is, this, I mean, I got, I got a guy, I got a guy on my chair, wait, wait, he's in jail. I got this guy over here who wants to beat people. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I thought to myself, I thought to myself, what these guys need is a better pastor. First thing I thought, second thing I thought is it. I'm thinking this, man. I'm like, am I running a church or am I running a gang? Because this is not the way it's supposed to go down. You get these messes. You can get first generation credit. And that's kind of these guys here. They got this big 
mess. It's all going, going on. And once again, every church has messes and they get kind of different, but that's these guys. So the apostle Paul has written this letter to kind of clean, clear some of this stuff up. All right. All right. We don't want to get on a high horse and make fun of them. We got our own messes. Our messes look different. Some of our messes look the same. It don't matter. The answer is the same. So he begins this way. Last two weeks, you look at worldly wisdom. You look at godly wisdom. He's been comparing and contrast, contrasting. Today, he's going to switch. He's going to switch, and he's going to put all of this, all this stuff, and he's building up. Every week's building up. He's going to take all of this that he's been teaching. He wants to put it in perspective. You've got these new believers. You've got these first-generation believers. You've got them, all this messiness, all this stuff going on. It's ugly. People are getting hurt. Christ is not being honored. And so he's going to put it in perspective. And the way he puts it in perspective is he reminds them that the Lord's coming back. The Lord's coming back. Not only is he coming back, when he comes back, he will be giving out rewards. And we'll talk about that, okay? And that's what he's going to get to with them, okay? He's going to, he wants them to start thinking in that direction. And so he does all of this. What we're looking at today is an analogy. It's an analogy of a building. And so it's just what we're looking at. Okay, he's shifting. All right. Chapter one, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, first thing we're going to look at is the master builder. The master builder, Paul identifies as himself. Look at verse 9. Here's what he says. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Look at this, church. Look at this. God's building. That's where we're getting this analogy of a building, okay? So he begins by saying the people in the church and the church itself, it belongs to God, all right? Now, that may seem, seem, seem obvious, but that's where you got to start at. Listen, churches do not belong to denominations. Churches do not belong to the pastors. Churches do not belong to the people. Paul's saying, ultimately, the church belongs to God. It's God's church, all right? So you got to establish that. You know, you, you, God saves you. This church is started. You got you to you identify, got to understand the ownership of the building, right? It's not your building, man. So it don't matter. It don't matter. It, hey, it doesn't matter what the majority says. It don't really even matter maybe what, um, um, I don't know, critics say. What matters is what does God say is his building. All right. He establishes that. All right. From there comes this question, really. This is the way Paul's setting it up. It's about architecture. All right. Don't know a lot about architecture. I've, I don't know. I've played Jenga, and I'm not that good at it. Um, oh, by the way, rabbit trail, free information. You guys know the, 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 the game Jenga? That's a Swahili word. It means build, all right? I only know that because I speak Swahili, but that's free for you. All right, Jenga, build, Swahili, all right. Simba means lion. I could go on. It doesn't matter. All right, architecture, okay? Architecture, that's what we're talking about. What you build with and how you build absolutely matters. If you build incorrectly, the building's going to come down. He's going to continue. Here he goes, verse 10, building, church, look. According to the grace of God given to me, he's talking about building, like, this is an example, a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it, building upon that foundation. This is to us. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Church, be careful, take note of, put concentration on how you build on the foundation. Okay, 
So we'll break it down. Paul says, I'm the master builder. I'm the skilled master builder. You hear that? It sounds maybe in our day like he's boasting. He's not boasting, all right? Notice how he begins. He says, according to the grace given to me by God, right? Grace of God given to me. In other words, he's only accomplishing the task because of the graciousness that God committed, that God gave. God gave him that calling. God gave him those gifts. God gave him those ability. It's all God. Now he's doing it. But he's saying, God is a, man, if it wasn't for God, if it was not for God, Paul still be out there persecuting Christians. Paul is not boasting here. Furthermore, church, furthermore, Christian, if God saved you, if you're a Christian, you too have been entrusted with gifts, abilities, and talents, and you weren't entrusted with them simply for you to sit home and enjoy them. They're for you, and they're, they're Primarily, therefore, building up this body of believers. God, in his sovereignty, has distributed all the gifts in this body of believers so that when we come together, we mutually edify one another and God gets the glory. But Paul says he did all that. But he says master builder. What does that mean? Well, basically, we could work it out. We won't spend time on this, but I'll say he's what you would call a foundation man. I mean, he went around planting churches. Planting churches. He planted... He went to Corinth. He was there for 18 months, taught basic doctrine. Ephesus, three years. Thessalonica, uh, well, that's a whole other story. He wasn't there very long. But basically, he's going in. He's laying the doctrine straight, the tenets. God has revealed to him. He's writing letters. He's teaching. He's building up. Okay, practically, what does that mean to us today? Hear me out. You already know this, but we got to say it. Practically, it means for us that the foundations of Christianity have been laid. You got to know that. You got, you got people, 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 <laughs> you know, people, people all trying to lay all sorts of foundations. Christianity does not need any new foundations. They have been laid. It's been laid. Doctrine, Christ, what he's done, the gospel, how you organize the church, how the church functions. I'm talking about, once again, not what, we, what the Bible says, right? But even though the foundations have been laid, listen, take care how you build upon it. Church, me, you, us, take care. All right, so we get the master builder is Paul. He's gonna move on to verse 11 and we're gonna see the foundation, Jesus Christ. You're gonna be building on this foundation. What is the foundation? Paul, you done told me, you done come in, laid out some straight foundations. You done told me you're teaching doctrine, you're, you're teaching theology, all of that. But what are you basing this stuff on? Verse 11, check it out. This is what he says. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is point blank here. God, no, God, no, God, no. I don't understand why there might be some debates about this, which is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. Clearly, plainly, the foundation is Jesus. If something calls itself a church, but the foundation is other than the church, Christ Jesus is no church at all because you can't build something on that own foundation. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. Some people say, I don't know. Foundations of Christianity, it's good works. Maybe, maybe it's because we're kind to people. That's a, the humanity of, that's going to be the foundations. No, 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 man. And some people, some people like, you know what, the foundations of the church are our traditions, our institutions, our marvelous church edifices. 
Is that a word? Edifices? Is one an edify? I don't know. Point is, people like to point to the bill and point all this stuff. I, oh, okay, so I once had a guy, this is a true story, man. By the way, when I say this is a true story, I'm not implying the others aren't. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> I feel, anyway. So, people get worked up about this stuff, man. I had a guy passionately engage me. He wanted to argue with me. I don't, I, I really, I, you know, you guys know this. Um, in a couple of months, I'll be 50. I've decided I ain't got a lot of time to argue about stuff. So I know. So he wanted to argue. Here's his argument. He was like, he was up all over this also. He's passionate. He's like, Travis, I've just had enough of all these box, box churches. You know, it's a box church. You know, these churches popping up everywhere. You don't even look like a church. It's got, you know, corrugated, I don't know, iron and cheap materials. And he was going on and on about all the box churches. Now, I think he was pointing at us. That's what I think. I think, you know, he was being, you know, that passive aggressiveness. People in the church got black belts and passive aggressiveness. You know what I'm saying? He coming at me and I'm like, dude, I, man, I've, been, I, I've, I've, I've led Bible study churches under trees, man. I don't care. It's not what it's about, man. It's not what it's about. It's about Jesus, man. I don't care. I don't care, man. I don't care. It's about Jesus. Christianity doesn't need a new foundation. Many try many different ways. Once again, I'm going to make some broad statements here, but they're true statements. Um, Liberal-leaning churches tend to really focus on the humanity of Christ and all of that. Conservative-leaning churches tend to, I don't know, lead on traditions. Conservative-leaning churches, they love the tradition, but they all leaning away from Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is the point. Jesus is what we want to get to. There is absolutely no foundation other than Jesus. No other foundation can any man lay than that which Christ has already laid. All right, so we get that. Okay, okay, so Paul's, all right, this church is a mess He's like, hey, listen, guys, hey, listen, God's church, right? God's church, you don't need me on there making up stuff, doing what you want to. We've got clear, clear guidelines. He's gracious, but we've got clear guidelines. Yeah, get, get in line, man. And uh, Paul says, I laid down the doctrine, man. I've let you, and you understand this, and the foundation is Jesus. Now we're going to move on to the materials, the materials. We're going to build this building, and I have there the believer's work, works. Now, I want to... I debated the best way to say this. Um, I'm not talking about works for salvation. You do not work for salvation. That is a gift of God so that no man may boast. However, it does not mean we do not work, right? You don't work for salvation, but saved people do work. So what do you do? What do you do? When God saves you, God gives you these abilities, these talents. You got a life, you got time, you got energy, you got resources. What do you do with that? That's the works I'm talking about. Look at verse 12. Now, if anyone builds, okay, that's post-salvation, that's your works, on the foundation, Jesus, that's Jesus. Look, check this out. With gold, silver, precious stones, that would be, I don't know, marble, granite, wood, hay, straw. Stop. We're going to stop. We're going to just stop here. We're going to talk about this. I mean, we got, we got one foundation. It's Jesus. But apparently, there are many different materials by which you can build upon that foundation. 
And what you build upon and what you build with upon that foundation absolutely matters. Evidently, that absolutely matters. You're the one who gets to choose what kind of material you're going to use when you're building on that foundation, but it absolutely matters what foundation, what you use to build on that foundation matters. Um, okay, I, okay, this is just practically, I learned this, I learned this, um, I'm slow, okay, but I learned this, I don't know, about, I guess it's about eight years ago, about eight years ago, okay. So, um, we moved here 14 years ago. Um, we came from, from Dar es Salaam. We moved here, don't have a house. So we get a house, we're gonna build a house, all right? Gonna bu- I build, we built a lovely house. I didn't build it, guys. I can't, I can't build anything, but it was built. And um, it's a beautiful house. It's a lovely house. We love the house. Um, I, did, <laughs> I did one time have a guy come over into my house he looked at my house and he goes, he said, he said, this is a really nice starter house. And I said, I'm about to start laying hands on you as my house, man. I love my house. I love my house. Half a mile from the church. I can get here quickly. It takes me about eight minutes to ride here on my skateboard. I love my house. All right. About eight years ago. So we'd been in the, oh, we'd been in the house about five years. Um, my, our appliances started um, breaking down. Curious, man. Curious, man. They all breaking down. That's weird. Man, I got a new house got a new house while my stuff appliance is breaking down. I got a lovely guy from our church. By the way, when something breaks at my house, I start asking people in the service, hey, do you know anything about this? And so I had a guy come to my house, look at my appliances. He introduced me to a word I had never heard before. He says, here's the problem. I go, what's the problem? Problem is these are builder grade appliances. I never heard that word, builder grade. Builder grade sounds like a good appliance, doesn't it? Builder grade. I want the kind builders use. He's like, no, man, builder grade. They, they look good, but the quality is low. That's what you got in your house. I'm like, well, that's no good. It absolutely, and then you got to buy new stuff, you know? It absolutely matters what you're building with, guys. It can look shiny. It can look new. Point is, is it of quality? That's what he's looking at right here. Look, there's six. There's six, just real quick. There's six of them, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Six materials, right? Now I can imagine it's in descending order, gold the best, straw the worst. Not an architect, but I can imagine if you want something to stay built, be permanent, you use stuff on the higher end. If you don't want to be permanent, you use the stuff on the lower end. Point is, church, you get to choose the material. That's the point. We get to choose the material. All right. So I think the question might be, I'm going to ask myself this too. What am I building with, right? What am I building with? Because it absolutely matters. It absolutely matters what type of material you're using to build with because Paul continues by telling us there's going to be a test. There's going to be an inspection. Before you move in the house, you've got to call the inspector. Sometimes inspectors say, this house ain't no good, but there's a test. It's going to be fire. But if you're building with, and you're all building, Christian, there's going to be a test. Here's what he says, verse 13. Each one's work, that's talking about Christians, will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, that's going to sit with me, man. Each one's work will become manifest. That's all of us. It's going to become manifest, right? It's going to be a test. What kind of test? A test, test by fire. When it's going to happen? It's going to happen when Jesus gets back. That's, I mean, 
me read this to you. Revelation twenty two twelve. This is Jesus. He says this. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. That's what we're talking about there, right? You're building with wood, you're building with hay, you're building with straw. It's going to burn, man. It's going to burn. Got works of gold, silver, precious stone. That's going to be standing. Um, Let me say this real quick. I was thinking about this. This is a question that might come up. I want to address it real quickly, real quickly. When you hear this, um, you might say something or think something like this. I thought that when God saved me, there was no judgment on me, right? Like, I'm not going to be there. There is now no condemnation for him was in Christ Jesus. That's exactly right. And I want to make sure I'm saying clear here, Uh, being clear. I'm not talking about a judgment. Paul's not talking about a judgment of your sins. Christian, that was paid for on the cross, paid for on the cross. But as a believer, scripture is clear. You will be judged. You will stand before, we will all stand. I ain't gonna stand before God based upon my sin, but I will give an account of this work, right? That's what we're talking about here. You're not gonna lose your salvation, but you will lose, what does it say? It's there, it's in the text, man. It's in the text, reward. There's something that's coming, Right? Well, we'll see it. Look, 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 look. Next, next, real quick. What's it? Next, the workman. He's going to build on this. All believers. Here's where you see it. Here's where you see it. All believers. Paul's going to address both sets. He's going the constructive work, those who built with the gold, the silver, and the precious stone, and those who did meaningless work, Christian. What are you telling me? You tell me Christians can do meaningless work? I didn't say that. This is Paul saying, though. And I can too, man. I guarantee you right now, man, I spent time doing things that were good, but they weren't what I was supposed to be doing. Look how he says it, verse 14. This is to those who did constructive work. This is what gold, silver, precious stones look. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, if it survives the judgment, the test, that person, he will receive, there's the word, he said it in Revelations as well, a, or Jesus said it, a reward. I ain't got my attention, man. I like, I like rewards. I like that. I got my attention, all right? Now, this isn't a judgment of sin for the believer, but it is a judgment for a reward, okay? Now, let's talk about this real quick. I want to talk about this too. Because here's a reward. I, I like rewards. What, what kind of reward are we talking about here? Well, that's a good question. Um, Briefly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Scripture speaks of the believer who did the good works receiving crowns. Crowns, you get some crowns. Uh, There's four or five different crowns in Scripture. There's a crown of righteousness, crown of rejoicing, crown of glory, crown of life. Scripture doesn't really say a whole much about that, but I was thinking about about this. I was thinking about um, Scripture is very clear on this. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy, all right? So when you're in heaven, when you're with Jesus, you will have the fullness of joy. I'm imagining, I'm understanding that somehow these rewards, you will have a greater capacity to understand this 
fullness. I don't know, to, to, to greater capacity to, to, to honor him, greater capacity to worship him. Nonetheless, I don't know. The point is, Jesus said, you're going to get it. Paul says, Jesus said, you're going to get a reward. You build with gold, you build with silver, you build with these precious stones. God, Jesus comes back, you're going to get a reward. Honestly, that's all I got to know. Okay, I like it, I like it, I like it. Now he's going to address the second group, those who did meaningless work. Look at this, verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Oh, there's going to be some loss, though he himself will be saved. It's not a loss of salvation, but only as through fire. Now, that'll get, I'll doubt that, that, that'll get your attention, right? You're going to suffer some loss. Suffer, su- what kind of loss? Man, you're going you're gonna to lose every, everything that was built with wood, hay, and straw. You're going to lose it, man. You're going to lose it. And you can sit there and you can say, well, I spent a lot of time, energy, and effort on those things. Well, sorry. Gets burned, man. Gets burnt. It all gets burned, man. Look like, man. In my life, man, I want to be using, I want to do foundation. I want, Christ is the foundation, man. And I want to build upon that. I can do, you can do. Man, we all, everyone here, we all get 24 hours a day, man. What are you going to do with those 24 hours a day? And you can do a lot of good things, right? I want to do the best thing, man. I want to, well, practically, what is that? What is that? What is that? I mean, we could, we could go through this. We could, we could do a whole message on this, and maybe one time we will, but what, is, what can we do? What am I going to do? How, gonna, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? I would say practically, church, I think it means you need to know your spiritual gifting. You need to know what God has entrusted to you, and you need to use it, man. You need, where, where? You need to be here in this church, in this service. You need to be here in church, man, with these people. Come on, man, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta serve one another. You can't serve people you don't know. People that means you gotta go eat tacos with people. That's exactly that's Bible, man. That's Bible. So I'm telling you, you gotta hang out. Got to commit to church. Got to commit to sharing the gospel. That's what it means, man. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna build on Jesus. I want to build with gold, silver, precious stones. And my friend, look around this place. Where are you going to work it out? Paul closes real quick by giving us a great reminder. Verse 16. Do you not know, church, that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, right? Christian? Amen, man. God the spirit dwells in you. The church, sacred. Man, I know we can come here every single week. This is a sacred assembly. It's a sacred assembly. God of the universe looks at the assembly of Christians right now and it brings him pleasure. He gets glory here. This is sacred. Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy, sacred, and you are that temple. Bottom line, we could get into that, but that's kind of just a sobering thought, I think, to these individuals all of us. Hey, listen, you're going to sit there and build another foundation. You're going to build another foundation. You're going to go right. You're going to go left. Other than Christ, you need to know you're setting yourself up against the living God. That's what you're doing. 
Let me close out this way. Just real quick, real quick, real quick. And we keep picking up. This is really just a 13-week sermon, all right? So um, we'll pick up next week. So you say, and I say, and we all say, maybe, we're talking about rewards here. You don't get rewards from the sovereign God. When? Well, as soon as Jesus gets back, you know, when he gets back, you're going to get that reward. Um, I ask, well, what do you do with rewards? I go to my son's room, and on top of his bed, he's got all these trophies, and they're just lined up there. Is that what I'm going to do in heaven? You know, I'm going to just line up these crowns. I'm going to line them up. Give me a trophy case. No, man, we get some insight, and I want to show this to you because I think it gives more clarity to this whole reward thing and how we get a greater capacity. In Revelation 4.10, it tells us exactly what we're going to do with those crowns, those rewards. The 24 elders, that's the church from my understanding, fell down before him who sits on the throne, worshiped him, who lives forever and ever. Look what they do. Look what they do. Look what they do. They lay their crowns before the throne and they worship men and they worship men and they worship. I don't know. I hope I have some crowns to lay down. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my time. You can be waiting in line. You can be waiting. I hope you're waiting for a long time. I'm going to take my time. What are you building with? We got this foundation. What are you building with? Church, let us be a people. Gold, silver, precious stones. We'll pick back up next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. It is a sobering reminder. It is a clarifying reminder that I can spend my wills on so many things, but if I'm not spending my wills on gold, silver, and precious stones, I'm just not getting anywhere. We desire to be a people who build on the true foundation. We desire to be a people who use the gifts and the abilities that you've given each one of us for your glory and for the building up of this church, Father. We ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, church family. About once a month, we, do the Lord, we have to take the Lord's Supper. So we're going to do that at this moment. If you, when you came in, I hope you received the elements. If you do not have the elements, if you would raise your hand and we can get something to you. And uh, all right. I got, you know, I want to talk about this and it's important. The question is, most often asked is who can take the Lord's Supper? Maybe you're visiting here. Or maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you're a new Christian. Um, scripture's clear. If you are a Christian, you're welcome to this table. You're welcome to this table. This, at Silverdale, we practice what's called open communion. If you're a believer, you're welcome to the table. Then the question becomes who cannot take of the elements? Well, two groups, really. First, if you're not a Christian, if you've never repented of your sins and called on Christ Jesus to save you, this is not for you. And I know it, man. We live in a world, you can't tell people they can't do stuff. I, the Bible says it. This is a table for God's people. All right. There's a second group that should not take from the table as well. 
If you are a Christian and you are walking in unrepentant sin, meaning this, we all sin, man. I sin, you sin. Unrepentant sin is that you're sinning and you refuse to repent. God says, don't do that. And you say, no, I want to keep doing that. And you know you're doing it. You know you're doing it. And here's what I want to say real quickly. If you're a Christian, we've all been there. So we can't be asking surprise um, because there's probably individuals here who are doing that. We've all been there. We've all had seasons or times when we've walked in unrepentant sin. If that's you, you're not welcome to the table. I'm not barring you. Christ says, hold your horses. Um, The good news is this. There is no reason why everyone here today cannot take the Lord's Supper. There's absolutely no reason. If you're in the first group and you've never repented of your sin and believe, you can do that right now, man. Do it. Repent of your sins. Call on Christ to save you. Save me. And he does it. And he does it. And as soon as he does it, you get it all. You get eternal life. You get God the Spirit residing in you. You're adopting the family of God. And immediately he says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come to the table. Yeah, man, maybe you're in the second group. Once again, all Christians have been in the second group. Don't stay there, man. You too can repent. And as soon as you repent, say, I'm sorry. By your power, for your glory, I repent. And I'm going to walk different as best I can day by day. It may be hour by hour, but I agree with you. That's sin. And I repent. God said, come on to the table. Don't put that big old, he's going to hug you. Come on, man. Come on. What are the group you're in? So everyone can take the Lord's Supper. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, that means you're not a believer, that means you're walking unrepentant at sin, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine, well, in the Greek, it's themselves, it's not necessarily masculine, it's themselves. Then, meaning this, after you examine yourself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, that's without examining, which we're about to do, the the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go sit down over there. We're going to practice this in Bible right now. We're going to examine ourselves. If you don't know Jesus, repent and believe. That's all I got to say, man. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Save me and he will save you. I've seen him do it many times. That's you, repent and believe. And after the service, let me know because I want to baptize you next week. (laughs) Okay. I got some baptisms tomorrow. Praise God. He saves. He's still saving. Doors aren't closed. Second, if you're in that second group and you know you've been walking unrepentant of sin, here's what I'd say. I'm going to say to you what I've always appreciated Christians saying to me when I'm walking unrepentant in sin. Knock it off. Knock it off, man. Knock it off. Repent. Let's examine ourselves. We'll play some music.
Our Father God who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We ask for your kingdom to come here on earth in our city and our church as it is already being enjoyed in heaven. We ask that you give us our daily bread, Father. You give us what we need. Father, we ask that you forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We pray, Father God, Father God, that you would keep us from temptation. We pray that you would protect us individually and as a church from the evil one. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. At this time, if you would, church, take the elements and you put the bread on top. You just take this little tab and pull it back. Just hold on. We're take it together. For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. Here we go, here we go. Look at this. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, come on, think on this. This is my body, which is broken for who? You, me, Christian. This sacred assembly Right now, Silverdale Saturday nights, we do this in remembrance of our Savior Jesus. Church, take and remember our Savior Jesus. At this time, if you would, if you put the juice on top, grab the little flap there and you're just gonna pull it back. And we'll continue. In the same way also he, that's Jesus, took the cup after supper, saying, once again, this is always so good to return to this, to remember. This cup, this cup represents something. This cup is the new covenant. That's the grace covenant. That's Christianity. Look how you, once again, this whole thing about works, it's just, it's just, I know, it's in his blood. Exactly, it's in his blood. I only get into this covenant by the blood of Jesus. I do not get it because I'm good, I'm moral, I'm righteous, I try. I'm somehow smarter or better. No, 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 no. Jesus is very clear. Only way you get into the grace covenant is by the blood of Jesus. The only way that gets applied to you is if you repent and you believe. That's it. That's the foundation. Do this sacred assembly, Silverdale Saturday night, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, remember him. A little more information. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you are proclaiming, preaching. We're telling the world the Lord of the Lord's death until when he comes. And he's going to come back. He's going to distribute some rewards. Let's remember our Savior Jesus together. Let's pray. Father God. I thank you for Silverdale Baptist Church, but I thank you specifically for Silverdale Saturday nights. Coming up on 10 years of your faithfulness here, coming up on so many men and women that you've saved here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please keep moving here, Jesus. Please keep saving here, Jesus. We wanna see souls saved and we pray to that end and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.